and welcome to Game of Crones, MTV's Game of Thrones podcast. I'm Rachel Handler. I'm a pop culture writer at MTV News, and I'm here with my fellow pop culture writer, Crystal Bell. Hi, Crystal. Oh, hello. And our TV critic, Ingu Kang. Hi, Ingu. Hi. So last night was was quite the episode, Battle of the Bastards. I, I personally was not a fan of how it took one full half hour to get to the Battle of the Bastards, but what did you guys think of the first half hour? There was a lot going on. There was Danny and Grey Worm and that whole clusterfuck. What, what was going on there? It was fine. I mean, for me, the best part of everything that happened in Marine was actually the scene between Danny and Yara. Oh, I loved that. Hardcore fangirling for them right now. I do you think is there any shot that they're gonna get it on? I, I hope so. I mean they're kind <laughs> of like two powerhouses though. Mm-hmm. Like I can't see them ever actually like having a union, but like on the side, yeah. Yeah, I mean I was I would be so here for that. Ingo, do you concur? I do. And I actually I love the first half. I feel I, I feel like it was like such great table setting for how we ended up at the end of the episode, which is basically you have Jon Snow, who just like kept not getting and not getting and not getting (laughs) to be a hero because the show was like, oh, you think you're a hero? I don't fucking think so. And then you basically have like three women who are like, you know what, we're just going to take over this whole like Winterfell, King's Landing, uh, Iron Islands or whatever Yara is from, like a whole universe. And so you just have these like very young women who are like, you know what, I guess like it's our time to take over the world now because all of our fathers fucking suck. Yeah. And so I don't think that like the show like really put like a really fine point on it, but that was definitely the subtext of the entire episode. And so that was just like so fun to see. It was the first time I feel like maybe ever that the show was like oh we're gonna try this like gender progressive thing that like we haven't really actually been very much into i did get kind of giddy when uh when they were flirting with each other and then i turned i remember i was turning to my boyfriend and i was like (laughs) what if we lived in a world run by women how amazing would that be and i got kind of like teary-eyed thinking about it i was like they would fix everything because really you're right women fixed everything in this episode they did and i i think that's such an interesting premise just to watch Danny come to Westeros, watch her. Like, I was thinking about this today. Like, what happens, you know, if she gets to King's Landing? Like, she isn't about this class system that they've established. She isn't about the patriarchy. So I could totally see her just dismantling everything. Mm Because we're already seeing all of these, like, really great houses become extinct at this point. Like, the Baratheons, gone. Mm -hmm. The Starks, almost gone at this point. (laughs) So I could totally see her just doing away with all of that, being like, no, you're no better than any other person. Yeah, and okay, this is totally not related to this, but why did the dragons just come out of their dungeon just now? What were they doing? He let them out a I, really long time I ago. I could have sworn they flew away. I was like, why are they still there? What are they eating? What are they doing? They don't have chains around their necks anymore. That really bothered me. That was like my takeaway from the episode. <laughs> what do dragons do? Just <laughs> Why were they still underground when they were let go a really long time ago? Yeah, I, I just don't confused. understand it. Did you guys enjoy that like small little Jerry Springer episode with them though, when they were talking about how like all of their fathers were terrible? Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. you just have this like silent mm. acknowledgement <laughs> that like they are all the product of like terrible, terrible men. Yeah, and I guess like the subtext is sort of supposed to be 
like how can we improve upon mm -hmm. the sins of our fathers or whatever but i just like that little human moment there where they were like oh yeah i guess like we are all the child of like privilege but privilege tainted by <laughs> absolute moral degradation yeah so i really love that i like that yeah. reading that's important for danny too because i don't know if you guys are seeing all those fan theories and i kind of believe in this as well that she kind of will turn into her father and maybe become the show's villain and I think that scene kind of put that theory to bed they were like no she's actually she's not going to be the mad queen she's not following in her family's footsteps or her father's footsteps she's actually you know she's listened to Tyrion mm -hmm. she did things her way but she took his his advice at least you know so you think the whole Seriously. Hitler thing is, is over now? Yeah, I think <laughs> Danny's reign as Hitler is probably over. Okay. As long as she keeps Tyrion by her side. But I, I found that that was a really interesting way for Benioff and Weiss to sort of hint at that and to be like, you thought that's kind of where we're going, but we're really not. Okay. Interesting. Also, her hair looked really good in this episode. It, sh it should be noted. <laughs> this is the Amelia Clark I love. Yeah. I think Danny's been really fucking boring for a long time. Mm -hmm. But in that scene, like, Danny doesn't need these huge, fiery mic drop moments. She can do something very subtle, like when she's just in a room with her and Yara, Theon, and Tyrion. Mm -hmm. That to me was so much more powerful than, like, her kind of burning down the Dosh Colleen, you know? Yeah, I agree. When she gives those that those little side eyes to Tyrion, I was like, she is that little giving smirk, me life. Yeah. That smirk when Yara's like, yeah, you know, my uncle Euron, he just wants to kind of like fuck you and then kill you. And that little <laughs> smirk of like, mm, he can try. Right. Totally. <laughs> there were so many um, pre-war meetings in this episode. There were like six and I was getting really annoyed. I was like, how many meetings do you need to have to know that you don't, you don't have anything actually planned? The plan is just like, okay, we're just going to, like, try to win. Let's talk about this six different ways. That really bothered me. Well, then all that planning went to waste yeah. because of Jon Snow. Exactly. That was even more f frustrating. What was your least favorite pre-war meeting, Ingo? I actually liked all of them. Is that weird? So weird. No. <laughs> <laughs> Convince me. I just feel like they were really good character moments. I feel like the Sansa one was the best where she confronts her brother and she's like, oh, like, good job not asking the only person who's actually spent more than 10 minutes with the guy, like, for good job, like, not asking me for any sort of advice at all, like, idiot. You've known him for the space of a single conversation, you and your trusted advisors, and you sit around making your plans on how to defeat a man you don't know. And also, I feel like it's the first time where a woman's point of view actually informs the outcome of a battle. Like, we've had a female perspective before, like in the Battle of the Blackwater, where Cersei's like, well, if we lose, we're just all going to get raped, so get ready for that. Like, <laughs> we've had that perspective before, but we've never had a woman actually change the course of a battle on the show, I think, except for Danny. And so I really loved that. And, and I feel like... It's just like, you know, you have this like huge morass, like literally just like piles of dead bodies at, during the war scenes. And it's such a dehumanizing experience. And the fact that they could get these like wonderful character moments to ground us in like what's really at stake other than killing Ramsay. Like I thought that was really great. And I just love that Sansa was just like, oh, like, I'm not my idiot mom. I'm not my idiot dad. Like, I know that I'm completely vulnerable. And so I guess, like, if I have to die, like, I'm just going to die. Like, I'm not going to go back to Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man. 
John and Sansa were giving me real old married couple vibes in this episode. Other people are starting to pick up on that, <laughs> by the way. I think yeah. they're becoming like a legitimate, like non-canon ship among fans. Really? Yeah, because other people were like, yo, did you check out, did you notice that sexual tension between John yes, and Sansa? And I was like, we me. noticed it three <laughs> weeks ago. And then in, the, in next week's episode, he like kisses her really hard on the forehead. I'm like, you guys are, n- now you're just fucking with us. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And maybe, but wasn't there like some legit fan theory that was like, they joined forces to make the Stark house great again and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's all, I mean, RIP Rickon, right? Like mm. he was, poor guy. I think I don't even think he said a word. No one cared that he died. But Can we talk about that? I, I was no sad. One. No one said I anything. I shouted. I was like, no. But no one on the show, like he was hardly <laughs> oh, mourned. Sansa was like, he's going to die. <laughs> She's like, sorry, it sucks, but. And John's like, what, what are you talking about? No, he's going to die. <laughs> like, we just have to cut our losses. Right. But yeah, if you want to check out his uh, fantastic work in San Andreas, you could do that this week and honor Rickon. But, oh. uh, but yeah, Rickon's dead. Mm-hmm. Bran, we don't know if he can get it up. Mm-hmm. So John's not legitimate. Uh, Sansa, at this point, is tasked with carrying the Stark line. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that when you're a noblewoman? You marry a man of lower birth. So AKA Jon Snow. your brother. Yeah, your half-brother, your yeah. bastard half-brother. Yeah. Or Littlefinger. Also an option, which is looking increasingly likely, and I'm kind of terrified. Gross. Yeah. He's so gross. Um, I really want that to happen. I feel like goth Sansa, like power Sansa, is so sexy. Yeah. And so I know that he's not the best guy for her, but I could actually kind of dig it. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Like, they would have fun in bed. (laughs) I mean, anytime with Aiden Gillen, I support. My my favorite, the only pre-war meeting I enjoyed was when um, Tormund and, yes. and Davos are talking about shitting themselves. Like, yes. where, what the <laughs> hell was that? I loved it so much. Give me a whole hour of that. Think and walk until I'm far enough away from camp that no one can hear me shitting my guts out. <laughs> Happy shitting. Also, Dorman just like MVP of the episode. Like, I love the fact that they were like just telling him jokes and then he didn't get any of them. Oh, I know. <laughs> or like he doesn't understand anything and that's his whole stick. He's just an idiot. I love it. Yeah, but also in that moment, I think it's really important though. Like, you know, underneath all of the the shitting was uh, that Jon Snow, and they're very pointed about this. They follow Jon Snow because he's not a king, and they've been done wrong by these kings in the past. So that could be telling. I mean, maybe for all those people hoping that Jon Snow does get legitimized or that he, you know, becomes, sits on the Iron Throne at the end of the story, I don't think that's in his cards. Mm. Yeah, I think they're really, they're being, he's kind of like an everyman and he's he's not coming from this place of authority and that's why we like him. And he's clearly a moron. That was the and whole point of the episode. clearly a moron who can't yes. do anything right. They're like, don't charge. And he's like, okay, I'm going to charge. Like, they just can't. <laughs> He can't do anything right. And Sansa told him. He's like, Ramsay likes to play games. Right. He's going to play games. Like, just take my word into consideration. And he did nothing. Nope. I also really love that moment when he's having that conversation with Melly, And he's like, so if I die, like, don't resuscitate me. And she's like, oh, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Like, who knows, like, how <laughs> I'll feel when you die. And I... It was such a weird, powerful, like, 
grotesque moment where she is basically like, oh, like, did you want like bodily autonomy and like a sense of control over your own fate? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> and it just kind of reminded us like what a horrible dick she is, but also how like what a wonderful like left twist magic always brings into this show. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. do we think that uh, Davos is going to kill her now because he found Shireen's little wooden toy yeah. that saved a that that literally survived a, a fire? Like I don't understand. It depends on how smart <laughs> Davos is. Maybe like if he's going to consider like, oh, maybe we should keep Melisandre around just because she can bring people back from the dead. Right. But I cannot wait for them to have that confrontation. It looks like it's going to happen yeah. next week, and I just I've been waiting for that all season since Shireen good. died. I was like. This bitch needs to go yeah. down. She needs to be, her death needs to be avenged in some horrible, fucked up way. I'm yeah. here for that. Uh, okay, who was everyone's Bay of the Week before we get into the bloodiness? 1 1, Bay of the Week. Oh, oh RIP. <laughs> he fought so hard. He really, he almost made it. That was so sad. <laughs> See, you felt things I for did. a giant. Oh, I love him. He's like one, the only character I like on the show. I'm really upset. <laughs> Ingo, who was yours? Sansa. I mean, she was so amazing. Like, she's like, oh, like, I'm going to be heroic by refusing to go back to my rapist. And then she basically had that, like, cute little sassy smile, like, when she saw his face being eaten alive. <laughs> and also, she just looked, like, really good sitting on that horse next to Littlefinger. And, like, <laughs> if they are not doing it by the end of the night, I would be very surprised. <laughs> She did have she did have another good eye makeup week for sure. She looked great. I mean, opposite of Jon Snow, who's yeah. just like covered in blood and dirt and yeah. disgusting entrails. Yeah. So let's talk about the battle. I, as the recapper, I had a bit of a, a time recapping because it was just like somebody gets stabbed, somebody else gets stabbed, somebody else gets stabbed. And so I finally, I just got delved into like very surreal territory. I just started making things up because it's like, how do you recap just the fact that people were stabbing the <laughs> shit out of each other for literally thirty minutes? I, clearly, they saved their their special effects budget for this one. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It was very like beautiful. Although Ghost was nowhere to be found, so maybe they didn't have enough money to do a direwolf, a uh, giant, and a large battle. Yeah, because I kept <laughs> looking for Ghost. I was like, where is he? Yeah, that's a good point. So Inga, what was your takeaway from this from this battle? Okay, well, I just to add to like the one Ghost thing, I'm just glad we didn't have to watch another dog die on this episode. <laughs> if anything, we saw a dog got fed, and so props to that. But I thought this battle, this whole episode, is the most I have liked this show since the Red Wedding three years ago, mm -hmm. and I thought it was just so beautifully built up in that there were a lot of key deaths in this season like where we didn't actually get to see it we didn't get to see the blackfish die we didn't get to see the waif die and so they kind of saved up all of the violence really for this battle and then the fact that basically you have Jon Snow, who is not only robbed of his heroism, but you get this sort of depiction of him, of like what it's like to be essentially have like PTSD almost in the midst of battle where you're so like sensorially overloaded that you can't actually like process anything and all you can sort of see is like terrible stuff happening, but you have like absolutely no grasp of anything that's happening. And you're just sort of like trapped in this hell scenario. Like, 
I love that because <laughs> it was, I think, like a, like a very like Saving Private Ryan, right? Like in the yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, I thought like, that too. Total saving because it was all from John's perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it was, was like his, a video game. That's what I kept thinking. It was his it was like moment right on behind the beach. Him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, but I I mean, like, I feel like if I was ever caught in a battle, that is exactly how I would react, where I would just be like, what is happening? What is happening? I have no idea what's happening. I cannot, like, process any of what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. And I thought it captured that not only really well, but it was interesting that it was him, because we're usually so used to see him, seeing him as a hero with the big sword and he like finally unshield unsheathed his valerian sword and even with that like you know like everything is so beyond them you just have like horses literally running into mm-hmm. each other <laughs> and like mutilating themselves and it was just i don't like i it's like one of the best scenes like this whole show has ever done and it was so like more than just this like bad versus good story Mm. that I was like wow like I remembered why I used to have respect for the show same I did feel that way (laughs) I don't know he had some plot armor though he did there was a scene in which the the Bolton army fired their arrows and literally Jon Snow ducks and arrows fall all around him (laughs) and like outline his body perfectly and I was like all right you could have at least given him like an arrow to the leg or something just one arrow (laughs) there was a little plot armor on Jon Snow but it's fine I think like we all know at this point like he has he's gonna play a large part in the battle to come Mm -hmm. and he's clearly the chosen one or one of the chosen ones in the story um, it was. I loved the battle. I thought it was directed superbly. I thought everything sort of um, played as I thought it was going to, which in which is probably why I didn't love it as much as I loved Hard Home. Mm-hmm. I would still place that, and obviously this director directed Hard Home as well. I would still place that as my number one like big battle scene of the show because I was like just shocked. Like that right. scene took me for surprise there was no build up for this obviously there was so much build up and i think everybody if you pulled 100 people on the street uh, 99% of them would say that Jon Snow and Sansa were going to win this one yeah. I, I don't think that was ever a question it was just all a matter of how they were going to pull it off yeah. and i didn't find it surprising was it riveting television yes i practically vomited like five it times it was very stressful it was stressful but <laughs> i i wasn't surprised by anything that happened did you guys feel like ramsey's death was cathartic enough for me i watched it and i was like that's it like it kind of just happened pretty quickly and i think it was i was just annoyed because i feel like they spent all this time building up what a bad guy he was we we literally were hammered over the head with how bad he was for what three seasons two seasons and Sansa had to go through all of this horrible shit and finally like okay yeah she feeds him to his dogs which is cool but <laughs> is that was it worth all of that I don't know I mean I think all of the villains on the show have kind of underwhelming deaths I mean Joffrey mm-hmm. went out with poison I think you know a lot of people wanted to see his head on a on a pike mm-hmm. didn't happen Tywin Lannister literally was killed on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most favorite activity. Exactly. And now you have <laughs> you have Ramsay. I think a fitting ending for sure, mm-hmm. being eaten alive by his hounds. Uh, for me, I, that was the only way I wanted Sansa to do it. I never really wanted her to swing a sword or to get too hands-on in his death. I, I think it was the fact that he just smirked at her and said, my hounds will never eat me. And she was like, no, no, like, I, I know she's been knowing everything 
since day one. She's like, no, I, I, I know them. <laughs> like, I pay attention. I observe. Right. So I thought that was, I think, out of all the villains, probably my favorite death of any villain that hmm. the show's had. Thank you. What do yeah, you it was a really great death. I, I mean, I just loved how the beginning of the end for Joffrey was for him, where basically he's in one-to-one combat with Jon Snow. And Ramsay has, you know, these like bows and arrows. And Jon defeats him with a shield. Jon has no weapons. And he's able to basically knock down Ramsay with a shield and fists, as opposed to, I mean, it's so primal and guttural. Mm in the way like the rest of the battle was. And then the way that uh, that final scene with Sansa in the kennel is done, like that was just so beautiful where you see like her face that's like framed by the square of the iron gate. And, you know, she basically tells him that like her, his entire family is going to disappear and no one is going to remember him. And it seems very much like you know, having your family and having you remembered after your death is almost like the point of battle and of heroism, right? But he doesn't really have anything to be, like, proud of in Mm. that regard. And then you just have, like, that dog, like, licking the face, licking, like, the blood on his face Mm. first. And it was so, like, weirdly beautiful because (laughs) it was so, like, both friendly, but also the dog, like... Like, like, basically tasting him before, like, biting into his face. Yeah, that was just and his jaw. <laughs> yeah. Even with that, I mean, like, Sansa, like, scolds him at, like, the very end of, like, oh, you know what you should have done? You should have, like, fed your dog. And it's, like, a recurring theme with the show of, like, it's fine if you're a terrible ruler, but if you're such a terrible ruler that you don't provide for the people you're ruling, then they will like basically uh, rise up against you, which is, you know, what happened to the Targaryens and it's what happened to the Boltons because that's what happens to tyrants on the show. I mean, that happened also with like the Macers and Marine. And so like it was such a densely symbolic Hmm. show and that was just like a really great example of like the show basically being like we have so many ideas and now we're just going to say them without actually saying them and it actually worked and like (laughs) really yeah (laughs) my heart is out to this episode i cannot believe what a fangirl outside like i sound like i do give props for Jon snow because he saved ramses for sansa like pointedly pointedly looked in her direction as he was literally being the shit out of him and was like okay this is this is this is your kill because they're in love yeah. yeah, because that's what you do for people you're in love with. My hands will never harm me. You haven't fed them in seven days. You said it yourself. Um, Guys, I want to read quickly <laughs> some listener emails that we got this week. We got some good ones. So first, I just want to give a shout out to Kylie, who sent us the most hilarious long email about basically just how much she loves this podcast. We love you, too. Um, This is a lovely email. Thank you. Uh. In terms of listener questions, we have one from Harry. So he says, did you find the outcome of the battle in Marine to be too convenient or perfect in its fan service? Crystal, you like to talk about fan service, so let's hear I about do. it. I do, especially this season. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I've written about this before, about how this season as a book reader, all of it kind of feels like fan service. Mm-hmm. Because you have to remember, we've had a lot of these fan theories that have been around for years, some north of like 10 years, a full decade to come up with these theories. And now a lot of them are, are coming true on the show. And it's just an exciting time, I think, to be a book reader and to be a fan of the show. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to say what happened in Marine fan service, then I think we also have to say what happened at the Battle of the Bastards is mm-hmm. also kind of fan service. I mean... Did you ever think Ramsey Bolton was going to win? I mean, I, 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 from day, from the start of it, I was like, okay, the Starks are going to have this. Sansa sent her letter ling- little finger. I know the Knights of the Vale are going to come. Like, how are they going to come? When are they going to come? That Those are my big questions. But I never really thought that he was going to be defeated. I thought maybe Tormund was going to die and I was going to be really sad, yeah. but I never thought that, that he was going to be defeated like that. So is it fan servicey or is it just like how plot needs to move at this point in the game? I, I think it's the latter. Like I think things are starting to fall into place. Depending on who you ask, we might only have 14 episodes of the show left in existence. Right. Like that's crazy to me that they need to wrap everything up in 14 episodes. So yeah, conventional things like Marine, like the Battle of the Bastards outcome, it they're going to start to happen. It has to happen. It has to, to happen. It it's the only way you're going to move the characters forward. Because right. if we have another season where it's like, Arya's in Bravo, Stanny's stuck in Marine. Like, no, I'm out. <laughs> I'm yeah. turning the, my TV off. I can't take it. They need to start moving. Forward momentum. So this is another great question from our, our bud Harry. He says, finally, and this is just out of personal curiosity. Thank you for clarifying, Harry. What kind of crone do each of you consider yourselves to be? I, I personally, I'm going to go the the OG crone, which is flat-boobed Melisandre, who, like, she was the inspiration for this podcast. She is the croniest of the crones. Uh, I hope to look like her <laughs> when I'm 400 years old. Mm-hmm. What about you, Crystal? I am the kind of crone that just wants to sleep for 12 hours a day. <laughs> That's I don't know what kind of crone that is in, in the context of the world, but personally how I feel about my life, I just would appreciate all the sleep I can get. Okay, what about you, Inga? What kind of crone are you? I think I'm a pizza crone, not only because <laughs> I love pizza, but like the older the pizza, the better. So oh. like, I like my pizza to have a cronish quality. So you like crony pizza? Yes. Got oh. it. That's I can very down interesting. With that. I feel like we're learning a lot about Ingu this week. I know week. so much. You, you, <laughs> lo- you don't want to go to war and you love pizza. And you think that dogs licking blood off of their owner's faces is beautiful. <laughs> and she's a Sansa little fingership. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're learning a lot about you. We really are. <laughs> um, okay, so next week is the finale. It's going to be oh 69 minutes long. Hey. <laughs> um, I'm excited about it. I don't really, I, besides John and Sansa making out in that preview, like I don't really know what's what's going to go down. What do you think? The trial. I think that's going to be the most oh, interesting, yeah. right? Cersei's trial and, and Loras as well. What's going to happen? How is Cersei going to get herself out of this? Hmm. That do, I feel like Marjorie's been building up to that moment and she's going to do something insane. I, ho- I mean, I hope so. I, I hope... I have very little faith that all of these characters are going to make it out alive. Mm -hmm. I think definitely something big is going to happen. Um, I would be worried for Tommen. I think that's already, that's in the prophecy. We know he's going to die and it seems like now is the right time. Sorry, Mm -hmm. kid. You're fine. Sweet and whatever, but Little Tom and you need to go. I think this season is all about like killing children. Yeah. Except for Liana. She can stay. Okay. But yeah, she better not. When I saw her in the battle, I got really worried. I was like, you cannot kill her. She was just, you know, on her horse. Yeah. A hundred feet away. But uh, but yeah, so I'd be worried for your faves. Okay. I'm, I'm officially worried. Thank you for that. Uh, guys, thank you. Ingu, great to, great to chat with you here about your pizza preferences. 
Thank you. Uh, and Crystal, thank you as always for explaining everything to us. No problem. You're not going to need me soon. We're already, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like the books are being eclipsed. I think at this point they really yeah. are. But it's fine. I'll hang around. Good. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Happy shitting. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Crystal. Thank you for listening to MTV's Game of Crones podcast. So if you have any questions for me or my fellow crones, we want to hear them. And considering that next week is the big finale, now's your last chance. So please send all of your questions or comments or just any thoughts that you have, maybe your pizza preferences, but please no dick pics, to gameofcronespod at gmail.com. 